We begin the 26th, 26th episode of the Seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We were mentioning the battle of Hunayn. Two battles are mentioned in the Quran. One is battle of Badr, the other is battle of Hunayn. And uh, regarding battle of Hunayn, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he, for the first time, he had the largest army. He had 12,000 people. 10,000 were strong Muslims from Medina, and then the other 2,000 were Eran Noyaki. So just rarely accepted Islam. So when these, uh, uh, when they saw the numbers, some of them, obviously the weaker Muslims, they got a bit too happy and they said, uh, we're not going to be defeated by our numbers. And you can, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent an entire verse down to show them that they shouldn't have said such things. Uh, Islam and Muslims have never won battles based on numbers. It's always been because of their uh, conviction and because of their reliance and their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what happened in this situation, um, the Hunayn, the people, the battle in this Hunayn, the enemies, they were about 20,000. So they're versing 12,000. And they were hiding behind, you can say, the hills. And when they started to all attack together, they one of the biggest mistakes they did was, they thought to themselves, there's 20,000 of us. And the Muslims, they're only like about, 12,000 like, uh, from the battle, we understand. They said, this is our last chance. If we're going to take over the Muslims now, it's our last ever chance. It's our last blow. We're idol worshippers. If we don't win now, we might as well take the fight to the Muslims. Otherwise, the Muslims are just going to take over. And then there will be no more idol worshipping left. Because the Prophet has dominated and he's neutralized whole of Mecca. So now what happened was, uh, they eventually, uh, the battle went ahead. And the Prophet was in that battle. And the Muslims at first they were losing just like Uhud and uh, they all attacked together. The only biggest problem that the the people in in the Hunayn battle, what they did was there was two groups, Hawazin and they shook hands with Thaqif. Thaqif guys are the guys who live in Ta'if. And they said, Tumnam Rasha Jihuru, together look how strong we are. And then they attacked and uh, the only condition he put is, come with your women, come with your children, come with your property. They said, why would you do that? He said, because that means there's no turning back. All the women and we got all the children and the property. Now if we fight, then there's no, uh, uh, none of us will ever become coward and run back to our, our town again because we brought everyone with us. This was a big mistake. So what happened was, obviously they were losing, uh, the Muslims were losing at first. And the Prophet stood his ground. And then Abbas had to call everybody back. And then when everybody came back again, people thought the Prophet passed away. There was a rumor going on. And then eventually when everybody came back, the Prophet won the battle because Allah sent angels to help them. Uh, that was only because they realized their mistake. So Allah sent the verse and Allah mentioned this. He says, لَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَوَاتِنَا كَثِيرًا Allah says, most certainly we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has helped you in many mawatins, in many, many uh, battles. وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنَ And on the day of Hunayn, إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثَرَتُكُمْ فَلَمْ تُغْنِ عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا Your numbers really pleased you. تُمْنَا بَيْشِ كُشُوِي كِسْلَهِ تُمْنَا بُرَا نُمْبَرَ دِكْيَا Allah saying, فَلَمْ تُغْنِ عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا And it did not benefit you one bit. Numbers didn't help, did it? Allah saying, فَلَمْ تُغْنِ عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا وَالضَّاقَ scarce, uh, despite, how, despite how vast the earth is, it felt like the earth came in on you. Uh, and then you guys turned around and you legged it, remember? 
You left your prophet. So this is what Allah SWT is saying. ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَى رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Then Allah SWT, He sent uh, victory and He sent peace upon the Messenger of Allah and the believers. In other words, they stood their ground. وَأَنزَلَ جُنُودًا لَمْ تَرَوْهَا And then Allah SWT sent such an army that you guys never saw. Now what's this army? Angels. Allah saying, I sent an, a batch of soldiers which تُمْرَ سُوْكَدَهْ تَفَرْسِلَ It was beyond your, uh, you, you couldn't, guys couldn't see this army. So, and then Allah SWT, He punished the disbelievers. In other words, the Muslims won in the end. It was a close call, but then the Muslims, they did win, and they managed to push back, and then obviously the Hawazin, they lost really badly. And they ran away, the Poth, and then the Thaqif people, they went back into Ta'if, and they locked the big gates. Because they had big, big gates, big fortresses, and there's a big gate into the city. Now the Prophet SAW realized that you guys attacked us, so you're out to kill us. So they, again, this is known as a siege. We're going to stand outside the gate until you guys surrender because Tumrar, your consequence is death now. There's no way out. Either you come out, there's only one fault, uh, one way we can still forgive you is if you surrender to Islam. Otherwise, there's no chance we can spare you because you've literally come out. To, the battle is still ongoing. So he surrounded uh, Ta'if and uh, now what's happened is don't forget the women, the children, the animals, They've been kept to one side, right? We'll come after them later. We'll deal with that later. Because you guys ran away. He left your wives, right? Do you have, I thought you're not going to run away. So, so now they've run away clearly. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ went after with his army. He went to the expedition of Taif. So now this battle is known as the battle of Taif. Because remember, the Taif was that very city which they treated the Prophet ﷺ really badly. Aisha radiallahu anha asked the golden question. She's always asking the best question. She said, was there a worse day for you than the day of Uhud? Because she, she obviously searched the whole history of the Prophet from his whole biography. And she wanted to know, that was Uhud like the worst feeling for you in your entire life? Because on Uhud, I heard you went through a massive blow. You know, that Mubarak Shaheed and there was cuts and bruises and you fell and you know people had to take cha- chains out of your cheeks you know that must have been a tough day and he said oh Aisha radiallahu there was a worse day than this she said what can be worse than that she says it was Taif the way the way I was humiliated and the way they the words in other words words hurt more than physical abuse so th- this is the very Taif that the Prophet was about to conquer so he surrounded them and uh, this siege, because these guys were high up, they started to shoot so many arrows and they killed so many Muslims as they were shooting arrows. Because how are you going to defeat somebody who's shooting arrows from top? So then they had to take a step back, the Muslims, until they reached uh, uh, further back enough where the arrows can't reach. And they just, but still, they were still surrounding them. In other words, the Prophet and his army, they were just laying siege, and it says here, for 20 days, that's a long time. 20 days, almost a month. So for 20 days, they were just out there. And um, you know, heavy fighting continued. Volley of arrows were uh, exchanged in the prolonged siege. The Messenger of Allah, for the first time, he realized the only way we can attack them is we create a device that can attack these guys on top. And what is this device? In the first time in history, this was never unheard of. So prior to this, they never ever built so, so, such things. It's called a catapult. We all know what a catapult is. You see in the movies now, in the battle movies, you know, the catapult, and you see it in the Chronicles of Narnia and all these kind of movies that they come up with now where they throw things. 
So this never existed. Like, so in them days, the Prophet ﷺ, it says here that the Messenger of Allah used a catapult for the first time. The enemy arrows took their toll on several Muslims' lives. So several Muslims became shaheed because of the, the arrows that they shot. So when the siege was tight and the battle showed no signs of ending, when the Prophet ﷺ realized this is lasting a long time, 20 days, we're not getting anywhere. They're not coming out. And their dependent is their vineyards, you know, their gardens, their grapevine. So the Prophet said, right, destroy the vineyards. Let's like, cut the supply. So when that happened, uh, the thaqif, uh, so the Prophet commanded that the vineyards of the thaqif be cut down and he's cutting all their plants down. Only obviously Tarasin Tatwari is oh man, that's, that's our uh, thingy, uh, survival. So when the thaqif begged him to spare the vineyards, the Prophet he said a statement. He says, I will leave them to Allah and the kinship between us. And then he ordered that announcements be made. He made an announcement. He said, right, make a big announcement amongst all my companions. And he's, uh, no, he made an announcement to his, the enemies. And he said, let them hear my announcement. And he said, any slave who comes out to us is free. If there's any slaves in there, come out, we're not going to kill you. So as soon as he said that, ten men came out of the door. Right? So ten of them were free. The Prophet was promised, he's the man of his words. They might think, oh, is he trying to trick us? So, the slaves who were in there, they said, because I don't see you guys succeeding. So the ten slaves came out straight away. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu had not been given leave. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't given the Prophet some permission to conquer Ta'if. It's not an instruction from Allah. Unlike Fathu Makkah, unlike the conquest of Makkah. So what the Prophet sallallahu did was, he told Umar radiallahu anhu to declare, he said, tell all the companions that uh, the siege is over. We're not, we're not surrounding them anymore. So the siege is over, we're heading back. We're going back to Medina. So Umar just he did just that. He told everybody, right, no more siege everybody, we've been waiting here. And they're thinking, we waited 20 days, if we're going to wait this long, we might as well finish it. Some companions that are, you know, uh, they started to say, are we leaving without winning? Eh? You know, we've not won the battle yet. And then when the Prophet heard this, that some companions were saying this, so the Messenger of Allah says, alright, okay, go on, carry on fighting then. So they carried on fighting, which again did no benefit whatsoever. And then the Prophet said, right, tomorrow we leave. I asked you to leave today, but you guys wanted to carry on fighting together. Uh, and then after that, the, he told them that tomorrow we leave. And we are going tomorrow, uh, inshallah. Uh, and this time they left. Now what that means is, when the Prophet tells you to leave, it means some good is going to happen from that place. Trust the Prophet It's not all about just taking over a land. Then what happened was, they were heading back and they stopped at a place called Al-Ji'idrana. Now why are they stopping at a place called Al-Ji'idrana? Because that's where all the women, the children, and all the properties of the Hawazin tribe were. Remember they brought all the... So now, the, there's like, can you imagine, hundreds and thousands of women here. And their children, and their properties. So the Prophet stays in that area and he actually spends 10 days there. That's a long time. He doesn't want these women and children. <laughs> He's like, Are you guys mad? Are these not your wives? So it, it just shows how coward these guys were. So he, the Prophet was there and he was waiting. For 10 days he was waiting. Nothing. <laughs> these guys were still like, it's so bad. Imagine how the women are feeling. Like, what kind of husbands do you have? Right? So at that moment, uh, the Prophet then decided, Look, I don't want to, but I can't even leave them here. I'll have to give these women, children, and have to because they now become whose property? Muslim property. 
is war booty. This is what they left behind. Usually the Prophet likes to distribute equipments and armors and this, this, they landed it on themselves. So it just shows like this is how the Prophet, how fair he was. Anybody else who conquers a land and finds women and children, usually they kill all the children, they rape all the women. This is like normal, like warfare. But the Prophet's character is otherwise. So then, uh, after that, uh, when did, when did, when this did not happen, nobody came to claim them, he began to distribute the spoils. The first people, he gave, now this was interesting, remember he's got 12,000 people. The 2,000 Noyazara, he started to give it to them more. Any idea why? Yes, to strengthen them. So, in, you know when it comes to zakat, the Quran mentions eight people you should give zakat to. It says, in, um, it says, One of them is mu'allaf. It says, Allah says that indeed the zakat, if you're going to give zakat, a lot of people giving zakat in Ramadan. It's for fuqara, it's for poor people who are below the nisab. They don't have any savings above 350 pounds. So those are poor. So by Islamic definition, anyone who doesn't have savings below is about 380, the threshold now. They, they work it on 600 and uh, 12.36 grams of silver. Whoever's got savings less than that, then according to Islam, then Gorib. Anybody who's above that, then Doni. So Doni gives to the Gorib. So they're called Fuqara. He goes, anyone who's in the Fuqara category, Erarido. That means you can have poor people living in Hyde. You don't have to send money to Bangladesh each time. You can give zakat to your fellow brother in Hyde who doesn't have a penny to his name. So that's poor. The next person you can give zakat to is Masakin. Masakin is, is so poor, they're so poor that they have to resort to begging. That are begging Sarah, they can't survive. In other words, they don't have a roof above their heads now. They're very poor. Then you've got the people who the gov- work for the government to collect uh, zakat. They can also have zakat. Number four, this is the one the Prophet was distributing to. Mu'allafat kulub means fresh new Muslims who need their hearts need strengthening a bit. So anyone who, right, we've had a few reverts in Rawdatul Ilm already, alhamdulillah. When they first become Muslims, you have to help them more. Because it's not easy for them to go back to their family and say, I become Muslim and then their father disowns them or their family don't really support them. So you can give zakat to them. Even though the guy's probably got a good job. Zakat you can give them. So it says, because you're strengthening them, he'll feel more welcome. He's like, oh, the Muslim community really supports me. What he doesn't know is they're giving their zakat. He doesn't need to know that. <laughs> so that's zakat. So, So the Prophet he started to distribute it from among them. Now, from among them was none other than Abu Sufyan. Remember Abu Sufyan? He just accepted Islam. And he's a bit, remember, he's a bit, a bit like, and then they said, Umar is going to take your head out, man. He's just waiting outside the tent. He said, alright, But he knew the Prophet was a prophet, but it was hard for him to swallow. So now, uh, Abu Sufyan radiallahu anhu came to the Prophet and Prophet was giving out camels. Like there were so many camels to dish out. And he was giving it, uh, to, um, Abu Sufyan. And if I'm not mistaken, the book, this book goes into detail. He gave Abu Sufyan ten camels. And he was like, oh, this is so generous. And he says, oh, you know, uh, in my house, you know, I've, I've got other relatives and cousins, you know, they've become new Muslims. So the Rasulullah gave him another tent. I've got somebody else, he gave him another tent. So he's like, wow. He's been given so about 30, 40 camels. 
So he's like, this is something Kushu is in it. Now the Sahabas, the strongest Sahabas, they don't need this to strengthen their, they already got strong Iman. So he's giving uh, them so much. Obviously time doesn't allow us to go into detail. That's, that calls for another uh, a book and another probably time. Now returning the captives, the delegation of 14 Hawazin eventually came to Medina. 40, after a long time, they're not all nice. Right, now they come. Why they come? Because obviously Tara, the wives, the children, they took a long time. But uh, they came to the Messenger of Allah and requested him to return to them their kin, uh, kinsmen and property. The Prophet ﷺ, he replied, you see, you see the people with me? Because you see all these people with me. The Honani. I've had to give them out. And you're coming to me now. So like, no, 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 I see, you know, we will have to be Muslims now, you know, we give up. You know, sorry, I see. It's the right religion, you're the Prophet. You know, it took us a long time to digest it and all that kind of stuff. So now he replied, uh, he says, he says, uh, he said, look, what I love the most is the truth. The Prophet says, just be honest with me. So he says, which are more dearer to you? You can only choose one. What do you want back? Do you want your children and your wives or do you want your property back? Which one? Are you after your camels or do you want your women and children? So they, uh, clearly, they, you know, they're all together, all uh, 14 of them. They said, we do not consider anything equal to our children and wives. Nothing can be equal to our children and wives. We're not going to compare camels to them, right? So the Prophet ﷺ, he, he advised them, he said, okay, then do me a favor, because end of the day, it's no longer my property anymore. It's been distributed. Can you imagine? So the Prophet ﷺ can't just snatch it back off at everybody, all the companions. And So what did he say? He said, okay, do me a favor, come for Salah tomorrow, right? And rise tomorrow, when I pray, the Dhuhr prayer, uh, then I want you to say these words. If you say these words, you might get your stuff back. What, what do you say? We seek the intercession of the Messenger of Allah, and with the Muslims, and we seek the intercession of the Muslims with the Messenger of Allah to return our wives and children to us. Just say those words. Just stand up and say those words. So the, when he prayed Dhuhr, they got up and they did exactly what the Prophet ﷺ advised. He said those words. And then the Prophet ﷺ, then he said, because you know, that we seek the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, can we have our stuff back? So the Prophet ﷺ, he went first. Because remember, there's some of the um, property and some of the, uh, uh, the stuff was distributed. So he says, as for what belongs to me and what belongs to the Banu al-Muttalib, Abdul Muttalib, because that's my family. He goes, it is yours, the Laylambak. I have control over what I've taken. I give that back. And he said it in front of all the Sahabas. Can you see what's going on? Because he can't force the Sahabas to give it back. It's their property now. They can be like, no, I'll sell it. They can do that. That's their right. So then uh, he says, it is yours. And I will make a recommendation. He said in front of everybody, I make a recommendation to others for you. I recommend you guys give it back. I can only recommend, I can't force you. So uh, the Muhajirun and Ansar, they said, what we have belongs to the Messenger of Allah. You know, so they said the same thing. But three of the tribes, obviously the newer Muslims. So Muhajirun and Ansar, they're the stronger Muslims. They're not Muslim. So now three of the tribes, the Banu Tamim, the Banu Fazara, and the Banu Sulaim, they refused to hand it over. They said, no, we're not giving it back. Right? We just got all this awesome stuff, right? So they refused to hand them over. The Messenger of Allah he said to them, because he thought, look, I can't force them. I'll, 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 I'll have to say something nice to them maybe. And maybe they'll give it back. So then he said to them, like, these people have come as Muslims. He's telling them, look, so he says, I waited for them and I gave them a choice. But they do not consider anything equal to their children and wives. 
and then he, uh, he says, uh, whoever has any of them and is happy to return them, he should do so. And whoever wants to keep his captives right, should uh, do just that. Whoever wants to keep the captives should also return them and he will give them. And he's saying, and in the next battle, I promise you guys, because I know you guys like clinging on to your stuff, fair enough. Just give it back. And I'll give you six times more in the next battle. <laughs> so they got really happy, right? So as soon as they, uh, they heard that, everyone rep- uh, they replied, "We are content with the message of Allah." So they handed it over. Now after that, he said, "I do not know who among you is pleased and who is not." So you go back now, and your chief will tell correctly about your affairs. All of them returned their captives, women and children, to them. So none of them were left behind. The Messenger of Allah he made a gift of a garment to each. And released that. So as, uh, because he released Prophet gave them a gift on top. Because he gave them a jubba each to each of these uh, individuals. So now, uh, there was a noble gesture. From amongst those women, interestingly, there was one woman. Her name was Ashaima. What was her name? Ashaima, right. So, this Shaima, she kept telling the, the people, like, let go of me, you know. She goes, stop shoving me around. Don't you know who I am? They're like, what? You're just a captive. Do you get me? And they're like, no, you know, you're, I'm your companion's brother, your companion's, your prophet's brother, uh, sister, sorry, she's saying, she goes, I'm your companion's sister. And then they're like, get out of here. Prophet Muhammad doesn't have any sisters, who, who are you trying to fool? She goes, I am, go, go take me to him. And they, they're like, is this woman lying or what's going on? She, she's called a shame. What's her name? Shame. Right? And the Prophet remember, he's the only child, isn't he? Because Amina gave birth while the Prophet's father passed away. You know, he only spent like a month with his new wife. So obviously the companions are confused. They're like, how can that be? What's she saying? She, she's the sister of the Prophet. So then they brought her over. Obviously they're still like ill-treating her a bit. And then uh, she, they brought her to the Prophet and then she declared, she said to the Prophet I'm your sister. Right? And he says, in what sense? She goes, I'm your milk sister. Milk sister? He goes, yeah, uh, me and you, we shared the same milk of Halima Saadiyah. Do you remember? And the Prophet says, obviously, he needs proof. Because it could be a random woman just saying that. He said, do you have any proof that you're my milk sister? How are you going to prove? <laughs> and she goes, I have proof. She goes, go on. She goes, I still got the bite mark on the back of my neck. Come see it. So the Prophet says, I'm sorry. Now remember, he's allowed to see her neck because it's a mahram. It's like a real sister now. He can touch her. Because mahram And he looked at it and Ashil Islam. He goes, yeah, yeah, I remember I bit you. I'm Sutu Aslam. And you gave me a, a donkey ride. And, <laughs> and he said, subhanallah. So then straight away, and he said, boin boka. Subhanallah. Look at the respect. And the companions are like, yo, we didn't know you had a sister, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously look at the respect because Amar Ma Amar Mar Goro Boy Halima he treated look at the respect here for the lady. So then after that see she obviously she sat down on this cloak and then he offered her something. And the, he then said, If you like Itafnaricha, Sauzuzin, come live with me. <laughs> so he said, come live with me and uh, I'll treat you with affection and honor. 
you can carry on you know where you live and i'll give you i'll give you all the like uh, provisions because gorito she said i'll uh, he, he donated so much to her so what he did he said i'll give you provision and you can go back to your people and then she said uh, give me provisions because maybe she wanted to look after some of her family members so she said give me permission provision and return me to my people i'd rather go back to my people because obviously she 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 probably saw an opportunity that she can help more of her people if she goes back and then she accepted islam and islam grand holy islam because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then uh, she left taking with her she took with her three slaves the prophet gave three slaves and a slave girl and some cattle and some sheep so some cows and sheep now the thaqif decision the thaqif group they're from the taif so when the muslims were ent- returning from taif the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi asked the muslims to recite so they were, when they were coming back there was a famous dua when you come back from a journey aibuna taibuna abidun rabbina hamidun so it that dua is when you return from a long journey o dua farta he says uh, it means we are returning repenting worshiping and glorifying our lord so some said messenger of allah cursed the thaqif and then uh, he raised his hands and he uh, entreated. He says, Oh Allah, guide the thaqif. And when he made this dua, he said, bring them here as well. So straight away, the dua was accepted. One of the main guys from thaqif, Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Now you've heard of this guy before. Any idea? Urwa ibn, have you heard of this name? Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Doesn't ring a bell. I only mentioned it once, a couple of episodes ago. Do you remember in Hudaybiyah? And they wanted to send the Muslims back. And the Prophet says, I've only come in two garments. You're not sending me back. I'm not going back until I do the tawf. You have to give me a genuine reason. And they kept sending people back and forth. And one of them was this guy, Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Remember, he came and he goes, I've spoken to kings and I sat with kings and I pushed the Muslims to go back. They didn't listen. I then said, all your 1,500 men, they're all fake. I don't recognize any one of them. And Abu Bakr swore at him. Remember? Right. That, this guy, he became Muslim. Remember, he went back to the people of Makkah and he said, uh, you guys back off from Prophet Muhammad because I've not seen anyone treat their leader like the way Prophet Muhammad's people treat him. Every time he spits, they, they don't let anything fall on the floor and they, they wipe it on the body. Remember all that, if you remember. So this person, he then realized, because already Islam's entered his heart when he saw all this. It was too powerful. So he came and he became a Muslim. Now he's the only Thaqif guy who's become Muslim. The rest of the Thaqafi people, they're still non-Muslims. So he came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, you know, I want to take my shahada. So he caught up with the Messenger of Allah before he entered Medina. Before the Prophet from Medina Sharifah, Fulsibar Age, he caught up and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm a Thaqif guy, a Muslim, I'm I can't tell you about the rest of my people, but I like to be a Muslim. So he, he became a Muslim and he returned to invite his people to Islam. He said, I'm going to invite all my people. The Prophet says, be careful, because your people, they're quite tough. They're not going to become Muslims that easily. They're very big on worshipping idols, super big on worshipping idols. So for them to drop idols and worship Allah, it's not that simple. He said, nah, So it's very fired up. So the Prophet made dua for him. He says, you know, I am warning you, just, just be careful how you tell them. You know, they, they might be very aggressive. So what does he do? He goes back to his people and uh, he was very popular. He said, I'm a popular guy, let me try it. And he was well respected in his tribe. Now he's a popular guy, well respected. But when he goes back and tells him he's Muslim, that's popularity. 
Right? So he goes back. And then when he called them to Islam, they turned against him. The whole Thaqif tribe. All of them. He's like, guys, I'm your popular guy. You know, I was the most famous guy. So when that happened, they shot arrows at him. All of them. They attacked him. And one hit him and he was killed as a martyr. Shahid Yerikson And he tried. So obviously they then realized that uh, one of our main leaders became Muslim. Ramah Lilam. There must be some truth in it. So again, it's all, it's penetrating their hearts slowly. And the Thaqif held out for some months. And after killing Urwa, uh, and, but after taking counsel amongst themselves, they then sat amongst themselves and realized, should we just surrender? One of our main leaders became Muslim and we killed him. What should we do? Right? So they decided that they had no hope of defeating all the Arabs. They said, So, which, uh, they said, look, uh, we can't defeat the Arabs. Uh, tribes around them which have accepted Islam so they decided to send delegations they said Amra let's send a group to Prophet Muhammad and let's make a deal like a deal a handshake the real handshake is we accept Islam so what are they going to do obviously they're very strong in idol worship so this is their handshake so this is what they do so when the Thaqif arrived they go to Medina Sharif and the Prophet he used to always welcome new Muslims uh, non-Muslims Non-Muslim, he used to give them Mochido Zaga. Which tribe are you? Thaqif. Who are you guys? Christians. Okay, who are you? Jews. I also need to learn more about Islam and to, uh, you want to know, uh, whether Islam is the right religion for you? Okay, fair enough. Tarare Zaga. The Mochido let them stay in a corner. He's hosting them inside the masjid. The Jewish community, the Christian community. Okay, you guys stay in that corner. On Sunday, you guys need to worship. It's fine. Use my mosque. Just like, wow. You don't, unheard of. Right? So, He's doing all this. In other words, he would tell his companions, respect them, they're your guest. Non-Muslim, show them the beauty of Islam. So when they came, they accepted Islam. It says here, they accepted Islam and they asked the Messenger of Allah for a deal. They said, Amra Islam grohan khollam, kintu amra murti ze nahi, dami dami murti Let us keep them. So this is what they said to the Prophet So the Prophet says, no, no way, we can't be accepted. So they said, let them keep their idols, because the main idol, Allah. Allah is the biggest one. Then Uzza, then Manat. They got Boroboro Nam. So this, we got Allah, one of the biggest gods. So can we just keep him? He's in our tribe. Right. I'm not a Muslim, you see, but come on, just for one year. It's going to be hard. It's a big idol. It cost us hundreds and thousands of pounds or probably more. So then, um, they, the Messenger of Allah, he refused, flat out. He said, if you're a Muslim, udkhulu fi silmi kafa. The Quran says, oh you who believe, if you enter Islam, you have to enter 100% hamaytu by bitri. You can't have one foot outside. So, um, they could need, they thought, dirana zahon. They asked him, uh, sorry, they first asked him, can we keep it for three years? Allah Rasulullah Hussain. They said, do you put your so then uh, they asked he goes no he said okay like what can we do so finally they asked they said so he said let us keep him for one month they said no and then he refused this too. And he sent Abu Sufyan ibn al-Harb and al-Mughira ibn Shu'bah, one of their people, to destroy it. Abu Sufyan ibn al-Harb, you know the new Muslim? He said, right, both of you, both of you, both of you, both of you, 
you know, so then uh, they went on their way. One of their people uh, to do so. The thaqif also asked the messenger of Allah to excuse them. One Muslim acha, hamda murti bangili labala. The the next offer. So what they said to him, nada kita fasoh nomazni. Fasoh nomazat khotoi nazit. Kita kisu khomailo kamoni tinlo yuno. So these guys are trying to compromise. So he said, uh, excuse some of the prayers. He said, he told them, no, nothing remains. He said, Allah Because it's, it's hand in hand. You cannot remove any salah. Uh, now this is a strong statement of the Prophet Wasallam because it just shows many Muslims who don't pray five daily prayers. The Prophet pure statement is, there's no religion in a person who doesn't pray. That doesn't mean you can call somebody a non-Muslim. That's a bit too far-fetched. It means, look how strong the Prophet's word is. You're not following practicing Islam to its full if you're not praying. And then after the delegation returned home, Islam spread amongst the thaqif until every last person. So now they've broken the idols. The thaqif, they tried to excuse themselves with salah. It didn't work. And then um, when the, the delegation, by the time the delegation went back to ta'if, Asta Ta'if, Alhamdulillah, Musulman. By then, it's completely turned over. The Prophet prophesied that. Remember, he said, don't destroy them. Tarazun Buzaina, the next generation will, and that's exactly what happened. The next generation accepted Islam, the elders didn't, obviously. And then, um, after the delegation returned home, Islam spread amongst the Faqif until the last person in Ta'if was Muslim. So that means Ta'if is now Muslim territory again. So you've now got no more idol worship abolished, no more Arabian Arabs left worshipping idols. Uh, the only thing you've now still got to deal with, uh, Jews have been neutralized as well, remember Khaybar, so they've come under Muslim control and the ones that surrendered obviously has allowed them to keep their property. So there are still Jews living in Khaybar but they have to give half of their um, earnings or what they produce from their gardens. So everything's been neutralized which means the whole of Arabian princes is almost safe. You've just got the Romans left. Why? Remember they killed uh, Zaid ibn al-Hadith, uh, sorry they killed the messenger. So the Prophet sallallahu uh, then realized that we still need to avenge that. So the next battle we're going to talk about tomorrow is the battle of Tabuk. It's a huge battle. It's now the Prophet sallallahu is dispatching an army that's going to face the big large army. Inshallah, we'll continue that tomorrow.